Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC main card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow fight analysts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here once again talking about this week's UFC card going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, probably because they couldn't possibly sell enough tickets to to fill any other arena. Uh, signed by a woman's strawweight battle between Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill. That's right, Zane. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, this isn't like the worst card I've ever seen. No, it's not. It, it's just I'm, I, I'm actually cool with the main event. I mean, yeah, cool yeah. to see Angie getting a main event booking. You know, Mackenzie Dern is not good, but I think she's still has the this, this smack of relevance mm-hmm. enough to make for a fight night main event. Um. And yeah, there's a couple highlights throughout the undercard. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's a fine card. It's just yeah, it's, dumb. Yeah. They're still doing this whole Apex thing. I you know, for a long time I liked it. Honestly. Yeah. I liked the quiet, I liked the sort of uh intimacy of it as a viewer. Yeah. But it really has kind of worn out its welcome at this point. I, oh, absolutely. I, I think it was a little refreshing and interesting. It sort of brought a a slight flavor of uh, what like pride fights used to feel like to the UFC. <laughs> you could hear people talking trash. Kevin Holland star rose to new heights in the apex era. Yep. Um, and, uh, and then you start to get like really good big fights in the apex and you're like, God, I wish there was a crowd like, yeah, exactly. It's just, it just doesn't have the, the momentous feeling that it, even pride events, you know, the quiet yeah. was fun, but the crowd would still explode. Yeah. When big things would happen, you would still get gasps and ooze and alls. There was still an ambiance. Um, it was just the respectful silence between shouts. And yeah. if we can't have that, uh, which is a great live crowd experience for any sporting event, if we can't have that, then I'm happy to compromise with a crowd who's hooting and uh, blowing shofars and um, and uh, doing the uh, the Ric Flair woo every five minutes. Yeah. If it means I get to have the uh, the exciting ambiance of a crowd that you know screams for blood when it's in the air. It's true. And uh, yeah, they, there's no. I mean, I, I've said all along that I would be shocked if the UFC ever truly le- leaves the apex again. You know, probably half their events every year are going to be held there because it's just so cheap and reliable yeah. and easy yeah. for them. And cheap and easy has been the UFC's watchword these days. Yep. So. Yep. I didn't. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but it, it kind of it went viral for somebody else, which pisses me off just a little bit mm-hmm. where somebody I don't I, care. I, this is Zane's. I don't care that something good happened to you moment. Yeah. It should, it should have happened to me instead. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause I'm the one who I went out and I did the research and I looked and I was like, Oh, 
13 of the UFC's announced fight card main events this year or teased fight card main events this year. Yeah. Uh, ha- out of 25 have been have had to be canceled. Mm. Like more than half their main events this year have been canceled. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else with a bigger Twitter account <laughs> took that and they put my name. They, they credited me. They put my name on it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But they got like, you know, 500 times the engagement that I did for. Oh, my God. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> where, where that was my love that was stolen. <laughs> they attributed you. What, what do you want? I know. I don't actually. But was, uh, but but so so what's the what's the what's that have to do with the Apex events? The, the, we've got another card here where we've got this card went through like three main events. Oh yeah 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 this. yeah. And that is I think actually one of the things this year that is made in part cards feel less special mm-hmm. is that literally you're never we're, we're never seeing the fight that was advertised initially even even if it's a bad, even if it's an upgrade at times and it has been at times yeah as i sort of feel that like uh, peña aldana is mm-hmm. i'm more interested to see that than i am a third fight with uh, peña now that peña has been rudimentarily figured out by nunes and it has to be said that uh, Dern versus Hill is actually a better fight than Raquel Pennington versus Irene Aldana. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. That was the main event for this. It's better, but it makes everything feel like – it makes everything feel so much less planned. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it really does just feel like UFC jumble, you yes. know? Yeah. We shook we, – you put your hand in the bag, you pull out two names, that's your fight card this week. Right. So that was just my note. Is it actually you're right. It is not this is not a terrible card. It mm-hmm. just it just all feels like such a jumble. It it feels like there's No, I'm with you. Yeah. No, I, which, I did, my feeling on this card is I shouldn't be as disappointed in it as I am. But yeah. You know, um it's fine. It It'll fun. probably be fun to watch. There's yep. there's several interesting fighters sprinkled throughout the card, including the main event. And a lot of people that melt down entirely, <laughs> which is always to me a thrilling thing to have. Like sure, that Anthony Smith uh, versus Johnny Walker fight, not a mm-hmm. great fight. No, but I was on the edge of my seat the whole time because I know that both of these men are ha- full, ha- capable of having a full-scale breakdown in the cage at any time. Yeah, that is true. You know. Mm-hmm. There, there are several fighters on here. I, I enjoyed that fight, and admittedly, in a very ironic way. But um, yeah, you know, it wasn't good. No, <laughs> it wasn't good. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it with my 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 contextual knowledge of who these men are. Yeah, watching Anthony Smith go out there face another really b- actually big guy and just be like, oh, I don't want, I know, and somehow I, be surprised by that fact. Wait, he's yeah. big. Yeah, yeah, and just be like, you know, this this just sucks. Yeah, I saw somebody out on the out on the internet uh, on Al Gore's internet tweeting that they, you know, people shouldn't be so hard on Anthony Smith. Maybe he's, you know, still going through PTSD for like that home invasion he had. And like, I think this person was being serious, but that's just worse. That yeah. is worse. Like, if you're a pro fighter going through PTSD, 
that is actually just a bigger reason for for people to be like, maybe you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Like, you should not be performing in front of people if you're incapable of performing without reliving trauma. You know? Anyway, let's talk about Mackenzie Dern versus Angela Hill. Oh, do we have to? Yeah, um... A fine fight. I mean, uh, you kind of know the story at this yeah. point of how Mackenzie Dern fights go and how they are analyzed. Mm-hmm. Um, no promises that we'll get it right. Our picks lately, Zane. A little trash. A little trash. I feel like, fortunately, we're not the only ones having this experience. Poor uh, Dan Tom, yeah. who, who has saddled himself with the responsibility of giving betting advice. In this is a to reason. Picks. Dan is family. He's part of the vivisection family. He's been, we love Dan Tom. Mm -hmm. He subs in for either of us when uh, we need somebody else. Uh huh. But there is a reason that this show has never actually tried to give anybody real betting advice. Yeah. And why all of our supposed betting advice comes with 8,000 caveats and we call you a sicko degenerate. If you listen to us, Yeah. all that is shielding ourselves from the idea that, you could possibly blame us for losing you money, which unfortunately that is the pressure that Dan has. And, yeah. you know, Dan's good at picking fights. Dan's a very good analyst, but um, I, I think mean, everyone has been just struggling with these like mediocre ass cards. It's just like MMA is somehow like more unpredictable than ever. And somehow that doesn't feel like a good thing. It's like, yeah, I, I don't know. Someone's going to shit the bed, I guess. In this fight, and I and I have to guess who is what yep. it feels like lately. <laughs> so, more, more jumble, more filler, less planning, and yeah. the results are reflecting that. And because a lot of what we don't look at the odds until after we pick each fight. Yeah. Um, and I even even like going to the odds page. I don't actually look at the other odds for other fights while I'm on there. It's just I don't want to I don't want the odds to be reflecting how I pick any of that. I try to make my reads go with it, you know, whatever I can do. But the majority of our picks have been in line with betting odds like, oh, yeah, we we are very chalky pickers on that (laughs) uh, on that uh, front. So if we're get, if we're getting wrong some this stuff wrong, it's stuff that everybody is getting wrong. Yeah, which is I'm not actual right. real comfort to me because I want to uh, think of myself as better than everyone. Um, but clearly I'm not. <laughs> I'm glad you're on the same page as the rest of us now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've known that for a while, Zane. <laughs> Uh, we kept it secret, but it, now's the time for you to learn. You're actually just a guy. Yeah, damn. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you don't know how many how many of my plans that spoils. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like everyone has been like really struggling to get a, an accurate beat on these cards. So we're not alone. Anyway, um, this is another fight where it does really feel like some. It may be decided by who shits the bed worse. Yeah. Um, and that may only be amplified by the fact that it's, I don't think it's been booked all that long unless this was originally on this undercard. I don't think it was. No, uh, this, let's see. When was this? I can actually, um, while you're looking that up, I will just reiterate what I said. You know, the Mackenzie Dern story. She is 
a beast of a submission grappler, and she is literally terrible at everything else. She she was originally scheduled to. They were supposed to keep compete last week on the Rosenstrike Almeida card. Okay. And that fight was booked in February. So this okay. Fight all right. All right. A long time, and then they bumped it back a week. Okay. So they they have at least unlike a lot of these recent unpredictable fights, they've at least had like a full camp to prepare yeah. for each other. Um. Yeah, I mean that's the Mackenzie Dern story, right? She's she's an incredibly venomous grappler. Um, who is just like a dog shit everywhere else. She has uh, the toughness, yep. certainly. And the mental toughness, fortitude. That's right. She, she, she has the mental, physical durability and scrappiness of an MMA fighter. But she, thus far, over, what is it, five, six UFC fights, she has not developed any of the skills of an MMA fighter, like Annie. Yeah. Her wrestling is bad. I, I will give her points in that, unlike a lot of other uh, jiu-jitsu players who have lackluster wrestling, Karn Gracie, um, <laughs> she does have a little bit of, like, Ronnie, Aya, Damian, Maya in her. Mm-hmm. Like, when Mackenzie Dern pulls guard on somebody, that may result in a favorable position on the ground very quickly. Yeah, she, she, she will... She went around at least off Yan Zhaonan just by like yeah. pulling guard into her, grabbing a leg, and then... her foot, switching to a single, yeah, just yep. creating awkward, grimy, uh, like transitions um, instead of like shooting on the legs, and uh, that can work for her. It's certainly a better uh, path than like just kind of fully pulling guard and and waiting for your opponent to give up an arm or something like Kron did. Yeah. Um. Or Kron. <laughs> Do you know what my favorite thing about that was? Since we're on clearly doing a bunch of diversions today. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing about that is that Hickson, his dad, which is clearly what he was talking about when he said he was trying to please the the jujitsu continuity. Yes. yes. Um, Community, he was. That's all good. What? No. Well, he misspelled it. That was. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's he right. said he, like <laughs> his phone auto, his phone autocorrected to continuity or possibly not even the correct spelling of continuity. Yeah. No. It was. It was not even that. It, <laughs> somebody, somebody needed to write that text for him. I don't <laughs> understand how somebody who lives in Montana doesn't have at least like <laughs> one English-speaking friend. Well, he just didn't care. He was just writing. Yeah. It up. But my favorite thing about it is this is the most cucked thing ever. His dad went to the press to call his son an idiot. <laughs> Classic Gracie. He was like, I'm disappointed in my child publicly. And then Kron, while clearly uh, implying that it was because his dad told him not to, can't even mention his dad's name. He blames the the nebulous jujitsu community yeah. for influencing his terrible decisions. It's yeah. your dad, dude, you know, and he owns you and you're just letting him own you still. Man. Embarrassing. It, Embarrassing. It, it is. Anyway, uh, Dern is uh, better than Cron Gracie um, in that regard. But uh-huh. man, is she a terrible striker? I mean, I thought at this point she would have developed something. She is like a less natural striker than Ronda Rousey. Yeah, Hon- I mean, honestly. Maybe maybe it really honestly does speak to the value of Edmund Tverdian as a coach. I think it's probably more just Ronda. I, I no, know. I know, I know. Ronda, before Tverdian's influence started to rot her out from within, was already like a reasonably natural striker in that she she kind of 
you know, a lot, I, maybe this is a judo jujitsu thing because judo does involve, um, a modicum of like, you have to kind of understand range mm-hmm. for judo. You do grip fighting on the feet and you can choose to engage or not engage. She had a little more of the kind of natural sense of distance that wrestlers often have and, um, would pounce on her opportunities. Mackenzie has no idea what her range is. Yeah, that's, that is, that is really it. It's no idea what her range is. And I mean, Ron, she may have like turned her hip, her, her fists over in weird, awkward ways and had no connection yeah. to her hips at all with her punches Yeah, and all sorts of other things. But Rhonda did just like throw straight down the middle, kind of, yeah. I'm yeah. going to walk in on you and throw these punches straight at you striking. Yeah. Rhonda had a weird thing where the more she learned about boxing, the more awkward she got at it. Yeah, honestly, like when she was just kind of, you know, coming in with a double jab and trying to either bomb people with the right hand or step into a head and arm position, then she was pretty natural at it. Her yep. fight with. Uh, um, Sarah, not so. Not Why Sarah. am I forgetting her name? Oh, OK. I know who you're talking about. You know, who I'm talking about not Sarah Kaufman and no fought forever continued to get good results yeah. even after Rhonda finished no, her in I know, like 13 I know seconds. Who it is. I, I, it's Alexis Davis. Alexis Davis. Embarrassing. I forgot her name. Um, yeah. yeah. Like that fight. It's like she, her boxing feeds really well into her jujitsu. It was very mm-hmm. natural. Anyway, we're avoiding talking about this fight. The point is that Mackenzie Dern looks at the ground when punches come at her. She turns her head away when she misses 50% of the time. She just spins around. Oh yeah. She's, she's throwing everything from her from her hip, if it's if yeah. Rhonda Rousey couldn't connect her hips to her punches, Mackenzie Dern can't like disconnect her hips from her punches. No, yeah, exactly, yeah. Literally throwing the punch from down at her thigh level, yeah, and then straight out of the back pocket. Yeah, straight out of the back pocket, windmilling her whole body around, flinging herself off balance. And this is yeah. worse because her sense of range is so bad. Yeah, all of this is to say that. Like basically every other Mackenzie Dern fight, and possibly more so uh, than many of them, if she cannot submit Angela Hill or get three rounds worth of winning positions on the ground, she is going to lose. Mm-hmm. You know what Angela, it is? Uh, yeah. She fights like Taz if Taz was slow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just <laughs> drunk Taz, just still wheeling around. But you can yeah. clearly see him as he turns. He doesn't achieve yeah, the, win- exactly. the whirlwind the, effect. None of the velocity whirlwind, but just like this slow moving <laughs> twister of of limbs. That, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Watching Mackenzie Dern punch feels like a lovely drive through the Belgian countryside. Just <laughs> slow windmills everywhere. Yes. Um. So, yeah, like Angela Hill uh, will thrash her if she's stuck on the feet and can't create grappling situations. And the con- the only concern there for Angela is that she has had a habit in the past of getting very quickly submitted by people. Yeah. She got tapped out almost instantly by Rose Nama Yunus, um, likewise by Ronda Marcos. And, um, you know, that's the concern, basically. Can mm-hmm. she basically just kind of stay chill in the inevitable grappling situations because even though Angela is a significantly better wrestler than Mackenzie, as I said, Mackenzie will create awkward entanglements. You know, she's one of these fighters like 
sometimes you just got to pick the likelihood of something happening based on nothing more than the innate weirdness of MMA fights. Mm-hmm. Right. Like weirdness is going to happen. There's going to be some bizarre clash that will lead to a position where Mackenzie Dern can think of something in the scramble. And, um, and, and otherwise, uh, yeah, I mean, like she, she couldn't do that effectively against Jan Shaunan. Yeah. Despite Jan Shaunan getting thrashed by Carla Esparza. Um, yeah. And I think that's going to be more the story going forward is that people know against Mackenzie Dern, I'm going to win all the places where I can win. And in the one very specific phase where she's good, I am going to play not to lose. Yeah. And I think that's honestly a very effective broad stroke strategy. Like, and I think Angela Hill's capable of doing it. Like, yes, she's gotten submitted, but, uh, before, but it's been a little while since the last one. It's been a while. Her grappling has definitely improved along with her wrestling since. And all she really has to do when it goes to the ground is make like Charles Jordan against Cron Gracie and just stay safe. Keep your arms in close, tucked elbows, don't post on the ground. You know, Dern got Jan shot on to an, an arm triangle choke. Yeah. And Jan just like defended it and just chilled. She didn't try to escape. She didn't try to improve her position. She was like, okay, now's the moment when I have to go purely defensive. And anybody who has any kind of combative, competitive experience, whether it's, you know, a combat sport or like chess or a video game, knows that trying when there's a like zero sum win condition at stake, trying to achieve that against somebody whose only goal is not to lose is very difficult. Mm-hmm. defense wins when you only have one way to one way to beat the person. And so I'm going to pick Angela Hill. I think she could get herself into trouble with her clinching. Then again, she could absolutely brutally punish Mackenzie Dern for trying to tie up with her and force her even more into a striking fight that she, she'll probably land some crazy wild bombs, but she's yeah, going she to eat. A, yeah. But she's going to eat a ton of jabs. She's going to get picked apart. And all it literally all it requires is for Angela to stay solid on the ground, merely solid. You don't have to try to win in that phase at all. Yeah. So I'm taking Angela. I'm taking Mackenzie Dern by split decision. <laughs> I'm picking two and a half rounds worth of, of one, one and a half, one and a half oh. rounds where Dern will, she will get Angela Hill down and have like a really dominant controlling round mm-hmm. and then maybe she'll get her down again and Angela will survive and get back to her feet and he'll or Dern will start slowing down and Hill will start picking up and then it'll be a question of did Angela Hill do enough to win round two. Well, that's right. It's five, isn't it? It's a five rounder, Zane. Yeah. Oh, shoot. You know what? She needs two and a half rounds to get the split. Like, yeah, you're right. That's (laughs) that. You know what? If if nothing else, Angela Hill's greatest improvement in the later stretch of her career has been the ability to sustain a winning pace. That has been the biggest transformation for her. (sighs) 
damn it. That is that does throw a wrench in the math. Over three rounds, I would pick Dern. That makes sense time. to me. That makes sense to me. Yeah, but five rounder? But five rounder, yeah. So gonna, Dern just doesn't have the capability of continuing to surprise her opponent in a long fight. Yeah, it really is one of those things where. Yeah. Because the problem for me is that when I watch Angela Hill fight, she she's refined her striking technique, but her baseline thing is still um, that she has to be able to plant her feet often in front of people. Yeah. Like she, she, you know, for a long time she was trying to do the like, oh, I'll stick and move and do the the sort of pseudo Dominic Cruz thing, and then she she's much tired. better with the small steps, keeping her feet under her and working her jab from that position. Yeah, and she so she would do that, and then she'd get tired, and she would have to stay flat footed, yeah, and just like slug it out with somebody, and then yeah. now she's at a point where. She's good enough with the Dominic Cruz thing that she can just or, you know, not the not so much high movement with the Dominic Cruz thing Mm -hmm. that she can just bounce in and out of the pocket in little tiny moves and flurry on the inside and bounce back out, flurry Mm -hmm. on the inside, bounce back out, flurry on the inside, bounce back out. But the flurrying on the inside still to do that effectively, she still tends to have to plant her feet. And when she bounces back out, she still had, tends to have to uh, to plant her feet. Sure. Like she's cut down on the amount of movement she needs to make her style work. So she expends less energy and she can do it for longer. Mm-hmm. But she's still very capable of getting caught clean and she's still very capable of getting taken down because every time she plants her feet, and tries to have a busy combo, her hips are available. What now, takedown do you envision Mackenzie Dern hitting? Verna Janjaroba is a significantly better wrestler than Mackenzie Dern. It's yeah. I'm not necessarily even saying it has to be a takedown, but it can just be a tie up where yeah. Dern can like, get to Hill's back or push sure. her against the cage and drag her to the mat. Yeah, I'm with you on that. My my thing is that if Angela Hill survives yeah. whatever survives, yeah. complications arise from that, then those paths of getting a fight to the ground, I think just automatically become less viable as the fight goes on and both fighters get more tired and the sort of surprise factor of, oh, no, she's latched onto my leg goes away. That's what happened with Yan Chanan, too. Yeah. She sort of she saw enough of it. She she panicked a little bit in the early ones. She stayed tight, and then she had seen enough of it where like these entries just stopped working. They, no, it's definitely true. It's just because it's such a clumsy way to have to get to the ground. This is why you should learn to wrestle. This is why Verna Janjanova beat her because she actually can shoot. No, it's true. I'm and I'm not. Uh, I, I'm just saying why I'm still struggling with this is that I still see that. I still see Angela Hill absolutely getting tied up often yes. in this fight. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. one thing that has to be said, you know, Yan Zhaonan, maybe not an infinitely more coordinated uh, or faster athlete than Angela Hill. She is bigger, though. Bigger, she's bigger. And stronger. She's, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I look at those two and I try to draw a comparison and I'm like, 
Jan's bigger. She's she's smoother at moving around. I think she's got yeah. better evasive footwork. So that's part of the reason it became harder for Mackenzie to yeah. track her down. But I also think Angela is actually a better wrestler and grappler and has the clinch. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, those tie-ups, I mean, that could go either way. I, I, that's another thing I think, though, that works in her favor the longer the fight goes on. That's the, the, the clinches that Mackenzie Dern basically needs to create crazy grappling complications. Um, is, it also puts her in a position where Angela Hill is capable of punishing her first. Yeah. You know, landing a couple knees, landing a short shot, breaking uh, on her own terms. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I think absolutely quite early in this fight, Dern is going to get some really scary moments on the ground against Hill. Yeah. And, and possibly that will happen again somewhere in the middle of the fight. Uh, I just don't see that. I just think the, the more time goes on until McKenzie Dern learns, that's just not – I don't think it's any longer a sustainable way of eking out wins at the high level. Like already some of her wins are questionable. Like – did she beat Tisha Torres? Yeah, I didn't you know, think so. Right? Like, these are, these are not impressive performances she's putting on. She has one scary area. And, again, I think it's pretty, like, philosophically simple as a Dern opponent to come to terms with the idea that, like, yeah, you just don't try to win in that position. You just, you're like, okay, this round yeah. is over. You're, you're, you're painting a vivid picture I'm not um, saying it's not possible. The scary moments will happen. Dern is still going to finish people in them. But, uh, you know, just stay tight. And next round, you're going to be in there against a worse Mackenzie Dern with a better idea of how not to end up in that position again. Yeah, no, I, I, I over the five rounds is really my big problem here. Yeah, that's really my big problem because. And the fact that Angela Hill has been – she's been facing good, very good grapplers, very good attacking grapplers even. Janjaroba is a bit of a positional grinder. Yeah. But Amanda Lemos uh, – well, wait, no. Lemos is just a powerhouse. Who am I thinking? Well, I think Lemos Amanda is an attacking grappler in very specific positions. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of Amanda Hebush. But, uh, you know, Watterson, yeah. Certainly against John Jadoba, she didn't have trouble being solid and safe on the ground. Yeah, but Jan Jadoba is such a safety-first grappler herself. Yeah, but she just lost because she's a positional grappler. Mackenzie Dern, yeah. if she takes that approach, again, it would help to have better wrestling. But even with her current uh, non-existent wrestling, if she were to take the approach, like, but, you know, that's the thing. Like, she was forced into a game where she had to just win rounds with good positions against John Shannon. It yeah. wasn't enough over five no. rounds. No. It, it she didn't wasn't. have a reliable way of getting to those positions again. Uh, yeah. I mean, I see it. It's it's not certain, but I, I just can't. You're, take, good, you're taking hell. I know. I, I can't pick Dern in, in a five-round fight against anyone good, honestly. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick her to get the sub. I can't shake it. I can't shake the image that Hill is going to give up the early takedown and – she just hasn't been facing actual grapplers that can attack her that quickly. Yeah. And no Dern, one, no one as hyper aggressive as Dern. And Dern is the kind of grappler who, if she can wrap up a foot, she can wrap up a knee bar and just, you know, turn, turn that momentary good position into a momentary, into an instant submission. And, 
that is something that, you know, even with the success of her defensive grappling lately, Hill just hasn't had to face that kind of threat. That's true. And I just don't like, like I say, the way her offense is based, it is going to give Dern chances, even without a great sense of depth and range, it'll give Dern chances to tie up and get the fight she needs. So I'm going to take Dern, but you have laid out a uh, great argument for Hill in the five rounds is giving me huge, because yeah, if it doesn't happen for Dern in the first round and a half, yeah, Hill wins. And Pretty I think much. that's, that's yeah. a good that that's a good way to look at this. And even then, something weird could happen. But it it just feels like Dern's game is just designed to for her chances to drop off precipitously as the fight goes on. Yeah. All right. Odds on the fight. Dern is a favorite, but not that big a favorite. Opened in the uh, one seventy range is currently about one sixty six, having gotten up as high as minus one fifty one, but dropped back down since. Uh, Hill opened at plus 150 and is currently uh, more or less right back there. So, or plus 160 in this current Essentially season. even, that's fine. Yeah. Closing odds. Uh, I expect as the fight gets closer, the odds will in fact get tighter. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, that brings us to a co-main event. Edmund Shabazian, Anthony Hernandez, and... Uh, this is this is a good fight, honestly. It is. It really is. Yeah. Uh, Shabazian had he is a much much cleaner striker than Anthony Hernandez, and he starts hot, and that is a very good thing for him in this fight because Anthony Hernandez also starts hot and has that kind of learned striking where he's basically banking on guts and toughness mm-hmm. to confuse you to the point that you will give up or you'll let him clinch up with you. Right. You know, there's a reason that uh, Hernandez has largely been incredibly successful, but also got knocked out by Kevin Holland in 39 seconds. Right. Because he, you know, he's very much on the like Gabe green path of what we just saw against Brian battle. Yeah. Um, he's a he's a pace fighter to the fullest. Yeah, he's a pace fighter to the fullest. He expects to come out and start guns blazing, and if you're not ready for that, you right. will fall behind immediately, and you'll stay behind forever. Is yeah. basically how it works. And he also seems to have the potential, which is why this I think is a very interesting matchup. Possibly even I would say if I was like Shabazian's management, too soon. Like, yeah, um, it, it's it's a good fight. It's not the fight that if I were Edmund Shabazian, I would want. Yeah. I mean, I'm in favor of testing people. I mean, sure, we, but... we can get too way too invested, I think, like um, not to call him out. But we were just talking about our friend Dan Tom. Yep. And uh, he was talking about the uh, Jan Pereira, the Blachowicz Pereira announcement. Yep. And was like, I don't like it. I think it's it's a too too potentially dangerous for Pereira. And I'm like, you know, like I get that on the one hand, you like the guy, you want to see him like cultivated. Yeah. My feeling is at a certain point, like you're finished, you're ready to go. Let's find out how good you are. Yeah. I, I think mean, most but... fighters would agree that like, yeah, I want to be tested. 
the man won a he won a he won a UFC title belt. What's what's to protect? Right, he's not getting you any know. younger. Like I say, yeah, throw him in there, put him in in the toughest fights in the division. Let's see what's happening. Yep. And for Shabazian, yeah, he had one fight in which he appeared to have finally sort of figured out some of his issues. Mm. Uh, a fight where it was largely all his way, but that has been the case in a lot of his other losses up to a point. Yep. And he held it together. He was very measured and still aggressive enough to get the finish later in the fight, which is a great sign. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, okay, you figured that out. Uh, time to fight somebody who will absolutely drown you. Yep. Like a, like a, you know, like a, a, a runt puppy. <laughs> just, just, just cram your head under the water if you slip up and allow them to start building a pace on you. Connor, this is a family show. A family show. Well, family is one puppy smaller. Okay. And, uh, but at the same time, it's a matchup where, like, Shabazian is so much more a dynamic threat. Yeah. That he could just as easily, like, crush Hernandez very much like Kevin Holland did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right out of the gate. Shabazian is fast, his strikes are clean, and he is accurate. Uh, The problem for him has been that when people can tie him up, especially when they can tie him up into prolonged grappling battles, he starts to panic. Yeah. And when he starts to panic, every part of his game dissolves. It's not just the grappling. It's not just the wrestling the striking dissolves too. Yeah. He, becomes, he tenses up and gasses basically. Yeah. And, he gasses and he becomes really predictable. Yeah. And it just, everything falls apart. But he did ditch Traverdian Zane. He did ditch Traverdian. That is a great sign. He's been sparring. Future. He's been sparring with Sean Strickland. So hanging out with a categorically better class of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's at extreme couture now. Like yeah, I think yeah. probably he's, we we are there are a lot of signs. I, I have faith that Shabazian is maturing as a fighter. He had a, basically a prolonged prospect loss phase. Yep. But I I think he's not gonna freak out uh quite so bad if Hernandez does start to build a pace on him. I would hope so, but I am going to pick Hernandez here. Really? Uh, yep. I'm picking Shabazian. I I am I just think I don't know enough. Dolce Lungiambula is not a fighter yeah, yeah. capable of maintaining a pace. Right. So there was never a point where like there was never a point for Shabazian to fall behind once he started out ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, his opponent was always going to get more tired faster than him. Yeah. Anthony Hernandez is not that guy. Absolutely not. So if Shabazian doesn't put him away immediately off a hot start, yeah, Hernandez will test him the same exact same way that Jack Hermanson did. Yeah, and Hernandez is one of the best best gas tanks I've ever seen, and yeah. I say that precisely because he pushes such a hard pace and does not yeah. uh, suffer any ill effects for it. Yep, and I just. Even even with uh, the potential of an improved camp, improved mindset, improved readiness, I just like this just seems like so the exact kind of problem that yep. Shabazian has had so often. And I I need to see it. I need to see more than Lunjimbula to pick Shabazian here. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, 
I'm still willing to take that Lunjin Bula fight as a very good yeah, sign. It is a good sign, definitely. I mean, just in the basic sense that the guy's confidence could very well have been utterly destroyed by that three fight losing by that three fight skid. And um yeah, he went in there against somebody who wasn't uh, as capable of testing him in that specific way, but he looked if anything more confident and composed than ever. Yeah, no, I, I still think Shabazzian's a great prospect and Absolutely. There's a lot to build on and that he's in a he's doing a good job. He did the right thing. He made a break and he's trying to turn it around and I expect him to have more success. I just think I don't know. I you know, this could be it. He could easily he could he could he could knock uh Hernandez out. He could yeah. tune him up, but yeah. Hernandez is so the problem he struggled with. Yeah, it's true. I, I I will say that first of all, what makes me uh, this is like a security for my pick that like Shabazian might just dust Hernandez. Yeah. Um, but I also think that um, Hernandez does much better. This is what shocked the hell out of Adolfo Vieira. He does much better against people who grapple with who want to grapple with him, who when he engages them in the clinch will basically allow it and will try to fight back on his terms. Mm-hmm. Josh Fremd did that. Even Marc-Andre Barrio did that to an extent. Um, but even in those fights, there are a lot of hitches between Hernandez's various attempts to oh, yeah. tie up and, and like, uh, you know, spiky blanket you like mm-hmm. that, like every time, even against Fremd, that he was back at range and had to create another clinch. He's getting lit up. Like yeah, he's no, just it's... wide open to be hit. He is not a technical striker. He has to overwhelm you. So so even after he maybe engages Shabazian in a clinch battle, in a grappling battle, I think there will be lots of moments for Shabazian to thwart yeah. his momentum and just land really clean shots on him. Like I say, for but me... But you're it's... right. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a big test of, of Shabazian's precise issues. So, yeah, because it's not like, like I said, it's not like, oh, just Shabazian's wrestling and grappling game have holes. Everything in the past when he has had these kinds of fights everything has started to disintegrate. Yes. The striking threat goes away. The, the grappling, you know, his, his wrestling defense that started out strong. Suddenly he just kind of gives up on positions. Yeah. He, he, you know? he does the, he does the, the classic panic gas cycle, the, the yeah. spiral where he, he either starts to gas and that makes him panic or he starts to panic and that makes him gas. And then the two feed into each other and it just gets worse. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I'm, as much as I can easily see Shapazian just rolling over Hernandez yeah. in any one striking instance, I'm going to pick Hernandez to, yeah. to be the problem. I, I hope it's not that. I hope Hernandez gets a chance to test Shabazian and Shabazian yeah. comes through it. Yeah. I, I hope he doesn't just instantly finish him and we have essentially still not fully learned whether or not he's he's yeah. grown up. But um, that also could happen, which gives me more confidence in picking him. Shabazian opens at plus 264, is currently at plus 196. Hernandez opened at minus 313, has climbed to minus 225. Hey, one of our picks is not going to be as bad as the others this week, I'll say. Yeah, yeah. Two two fights in and diverging on both. All right, that brings us to a woman's catchweight, 120-pound catchweight bout, if topology is to, to be believed. Mm-hmm. Emily Ducote, Lupita Godinez. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you're leading on this one because mm-hmm. 
I am not confident in it. No, I mean the what, the direction I am instinctively leaning in is that I think Godinez, if uh, Dakota's last fight is any indication, could make her very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, pushing a crazy pace in her. I mean, I think what we learned more than anything in Dakota's last fight is that she does not enjoy being relentlessly pressured. Oh yeah, no, she is a she has built herself as a slow paced pick your shots power counter puncher and power range striker who throws one at a time. And, you know, I I think she came out after that Angela Hill fight and was like, Oh yeah, no, I was just feeling off and flat in that fight. And it's just like, but that's how you always look. I mean, it, it, it was a, I'm sure she, yeah, she felt flat because it was, it was a, a, a direct counter to her usual style. Like yeah. she, she she is a fighter who will put more punches out there, will pressure more, will build more combinations. Um, as long as she's setting the pace. Though. Exactly, yeah. Like, she's capable of fighting at a harder pace than that, but she was doing everything on Angela Hill's terms, Yeah, and that's not something she's very used to. Um, so, yeah, Lupita Godinez likes to uh, be uh, crazy aggressive and do the whole swarming wrestle boxer thing on people. And uh, that could absolutely make Dakota uncomfortable. The the problem is that I, I think a major factor in Dakota losing quite as lopsidedly as she did to Hill was also Hill's reach. Mm. That Hill was just able to touch her up with the jab while pressuring her. So not only was she dictating every exchange, she was getting in first. Um, and I'm, you know, like being Dakota's size and trying to run up on her over and over again feels like a lot more possibility of Dakota actually finding meaningful counters. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a sharp counterpuncher. She's shockingly powerful for yep. her frame. Um, and um, as we know from past fights, Godinez can be uh, can be thwarted by people who just kind of take one of the two or three things she wants to do and dominate her in that one phase. Yeah. If you can take a part of Godinez's game away, right. She struggles hard to implement, to, to stay confident and to stay consistent with the rest of her game. It was a good sign in her last fight against Cynthia Calvillo that she basically couldn't wrestle Calvillo at all. Right. And she still kept up a, you know, reasonable boxing pace to beat her over two rounds or three yeah. rounds, but she did kind of start to fall behind late in that fight. Like, yeah. And that's Calvi- Calvillo did outland her technically. And uh, for many people won the last round of that fight. Yeah. And so. it's really, uh, that feels like a, um, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I think Dakota has we have seen a, um, a perhaps um, like unheralded tendency to to shut down under pressure, but we we also know that like that 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 was really a problem for her against Hill because like she just couldn't find her shots soon enough. Yeah. Um, and she was getting touched from really far away by somebody who was, yeah, putting a pressure and pace on her, but was not just like trying to get in her chest and swarm her. 
That's what I said. We were talking about Hill earlier with the bounce in, bounce out, bounce in, right, bounce exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. Hill, you know, if you get, want to have a low paced striking battle with Angela Hill these days, yeah, she will just keep on that that bounce, keep on that rhythm, and she will fill all space all the time. Yeah. And yeah. you're not going to have time to get anything in edgewise. Yeah. And Godinez. That is not her. When she is having a striking battle out at range, she will tend to fall into a pretty even slugging pace where she will, you know, she'll try to step in and throw a couple combos and she'll be there. But she's not just going to wade in and walk somebody down or like keep a set rhythm and really, you know, let her hands go all the time. She... Yeah, she needs effectiveness to chain together. Otherwise, she will just kind of stall and have to restart all the time. Right. So I would be very surprised if Godinez really honestly led a pace against Ducote. Yeah, I just think there's just way too much room for Ducote to start landing on her when she tries and Mm -hmm. and and therefore dropping the pace of the whole the whole thing. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Dakota has she has not really looked as impressive as I'd hoped she would. And even in her fight with Jessica Penney. Yeah. A lot of people were very impressed that she like shut Jessica Penney down with a low output, low kicking game. Uh, she could have won that a lot more definitively, in my opinion, uh-huh. and didn't really take advantage of the opportunities she was creating with her early success with those kicks. Um. So yeah, her own defense is also not good. That's a thing that both the Penne and the Hill fights showed. Is it? Yeah. Ducote I, mean, I think it, it can be better than that. It, it can be. She sometimes has a really nice aggressive defense. I don't know. I just have this feeling that a major part of her awkwardness in both of these fights was that these were aggressive fighters who were much taller than her. Yeah, it could be. I think that was a major factor. That's why she felt she had to kick. She had to use her longest range weapons uh, against Penne and was was twitchy about the boxing defense. Against a, either a tall person who doesn't know how to use their reach, she's knocked out people like that before, I think. Uh, Angela may- Hill is tall, though. That should be noted. Huh? Angela Hill is not actually tall. That no, but she had a huge reach on her. She she did have a, a significant. Or, yeah, well, I mean, that's what I mean. Somebody, somebody, somebody who can threaten her from far away. It, it, she only had an inch and a half of reach on her. But okay, yeah. Well, what's the what's the actual? What are the dimensions of this? Uh, this is Godinez is five foot two with a sixty one inch reach. Okay, so Dakota has a Dakota, two inch reach advantage at this. Yeah, side. this is this is a a Dakota will be taller with the range advantage. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, she could be shitting the bed as a UFC uh, or, or, or still awaiting a, a major uh, transformation. I'm, I'm going to take one more flyer on Dakota. I think Godinez's pace is, is not going to function that well against somebody who can just instantly start li- landing counters on her. If that does happen, then Dakota herself is capable of putting together a more comprehensive striking performance than we have seen so far from her in the UFC. Um, I'll take her, but it, it totally seems like Dakota has, uh, has not arrived in the UFC with like the confidence that I would have liked to see. Yeah. The the other, you know, hard part of this too, is 
if Ducote's wrestling defense has an unforeseen hitch to it at all, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know we've we've seen her only in the UFC against bad wrestlers or mediocre wrestlers, Angela Hill and Jessica Penne, right? Neither of whom are great wrestlers. If there is a hitch to it at all, and Godinez can find that, we have seen Godinez put an absolute clinic on somebody. Sure. If she has the advantage there. It's yep. just the the moment that that advantage doesn't work, her game just, it, it functions way less. You know, it's like you take a third of Lupi Godinez's game away, and her game isn't a third less effective; it's two thirds less effective. Right, exactly. It it just is a massive problem for her. Yeah, I th- I think Dakota's <sighs> a pretty pretty solid defensive wrestler, especially when she's not being outranged by somebody. She has a good good enough sense of yeah. distance not to just give up easy shots. I mean, she she didn't get completely swamped by uh, Kanako Murata in her Invicta fight with her, who is a much better wrestler than. A, a worse fighter, arguably, but a better wrestler than Godinez. Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know. It's not an easy call to make here. Obviously. It isn't. It isn't. Uh, I'll I'll ride with you on the flyer on Dakota. I think that, as we've said, that Godinez won't push a pace that makes her uncomfortable, and then that leaves Dakota as the sharper striker. But yeah, Godinez is the fighter who is much more capable of putting together a whole complete performance that wows. Yeah. Whereas Ducote, I think, is, you know, she's capable of putting together the better striking performance. But we've also seen, you know, I, I, I'm less uh, confident of her being able to handle yeah. a very difficult, like, all-around all high-level fight somehow. Yeah. And as you said, I mean, to 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 Lupi's credit, like she did go into her last fight with half her game, one third of her efficacy. Yeah. Uh, possible efficacy. And um, she knew she just had to do a pace boxing performance. And no, not perfect, but she did it. She yeah, went for it. She did enough to win to make mm-hmm. sure she landed the harder shots all the way through. Mm-hmm. So maybe she just accepts here that she's going to take some hard counters from Dakota and tries to break her. And I haven't really seen anybody. Uh, just try to stay into Cody's grill like that. Usually they get persuaded not to, which is what yeah. I suspect will happen here, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Odds on the fight. Ducote is the underdog opened at plus 111, is currently at about plus 140. And Godinez opened at minus 122 and is currently at minus 158. So far, even when I disagree with the uh, the odds, they've all been they've all reflected. I think the the closeness of these matchups. Yep. All right, that brings us to a welterweight bout: Andre Fialho, Joaquin Buckley, and um, I. I saw a quote that is making me unhappy, <laughs> which was Buckley on Twitter or on, on in some interview talking about why he dropped to explaining his drop to 170 pounds. Oh, I didn't even put that together. Yes. Yeah, fights at welterweight. He's dropping oh, down. And he said, I was tired of getting knocked out. Oh God. Buddy. 
Yeah. Buddy. That dehydrating yourself isn't going to help. No, it really isn't. The problem that you have, the reason you've been knocked out, it's very clear and it's very... It's a very structure thing based thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because you're stiff and your movement is predictable. Like Yeah. You're always going in and out on direct single sight lines and your movement is stiff. And so people watch you, you throw a lot of creative stuff when you enter. So people have to guess yeah. at that. You but, slip into one devastating head kick every fight at, yeah. at minimum. <laughs> but uh, yeah, given enough time, everybody knows, okay, you're five feet away and you've made this bounce. And that means that your next move is going to be to step right in front of me. Yeah. Boy, and they is... time that next move. And every time they time that next move, they hurt you. That and is it, a disheartening sign. Yeah. And the thing with welterweight is the fighters are just better. Yeah. They are just better. Andre Fialho is, he is a very mediocre welterweight. Yes. But. There is nothing about him that is worse than Alessio de Chirico. No, absolutely not. Not one thing. You know? And yeah. and for all of his obvious, like, crippling shortcomings, he is also capable of being quite a good fighter. Yeah, yeah. The only reason he's the only reason he's uh he's mediocre is really inconsistency. Yeah. When he's the, on, he looks pretty damn good. Yep. He is a huge puncher. He throws well in combination. He can wrestle and grapple too. It's just, yeah. He gets to points where he has moments of indecision. Yeah. And isn't exactly sure what move he wants to make next. There's a little Lando Venata in Andre Fialho. Yeah, with with a worse factor too, which is that he, uh, again, his 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 cap he's have capable of having his confidence broken. Yeah. And and that may be enough reason for me to lean Buckley here, irrespective yeah. of his his completely ill-advised reason for dropping. Assuming, I mean, Buckley's a guy who is clearly in phenomenal shape. Yep. I got to assume that he will probably still look like a pretty consistently paced fighter at 170, even though it it does seem like it'd be a hard cut. That dude I is mean, like he's, all he's only muscle. Five foot ten. But yeah, but is he all. is all muscle. He is yeah. one of the leanest fighters on the roster. So he yeah. he must have he will have had to have dropped some muscle mass or he's going to miss weight. I mean, we'll yeah, see. although although muscle is easier weight to, to cut than fat, like it, it, you, it there's less trimming down to do to like get it's harder to just get smaller to like oh I weighed you know my walking weight was 285 but I got on the treadmill and actually worked out for the first time in my life. And now it's, you know, 220 or something. And now it can be a light heavyweight. Right. It's, it's more it's more difficult in that way. But in terms of actually shedding water weight for a cut, muscle relinquishes water much more easily than fat does. So really, I'll take, I'll take your word for it. I don't, really, I don't understand the science. Really buff guys have a, an easier time of dropping down smaller through purely through weight cutting than somebody who's I see a little softer. Kind of, yeah, who's softer. 
uh, you know, there's a reason that Cody McKenzie was making weight by vomiting and giving blood. Uh, yeah. yeah, fair enough. I mean, my assumption is that, yeah, Buckley is still going to look like he's in good shape. Yeah. He's still going to fight very much like Joaquin Buckley. Mm-hmm. My my instinct is that Andre Fialio does not have a good time with that. Yeah, I think that the 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 big you know worry for me with Fialho would be somebody who can be so creatively powerful every yeah. time they step into the pocket. Right. Is just you know Fialho can he can handle the couple of entries and land some good counters. So there's a chance he can get a knockout here. Yeah. But like we saw with the the Muslim Salakov fight, like over time, yeah, it just you know it start the indecision starts to creep into his game, and the further yeah. it creeps in, the less he pulls the trigger, and the less he pulls the trigger, the more likely he is to have the trigger pulled on him. Yeah, and even in fights where he seems to kind of figure things out, he drifts back out of focus, like he did against Michelle Pereira. He sort of had a few windows of opportunity there and uh, could not maintain the kind of like positional pressure he needed to to continue getting good exchanges for himself. Yeah, somebody like Buckley, who is just kind of down to trade and always throws combinations um, and always mixes those combinations too. like Buckley. Yeah, that is one thing to say for him. That is why he's had as much success as he has being as predictable as he is. Is that when he actually steps into the pocket, you yeah. really do have to guess. You don't know if it's going to be a back kick. You don't know if it's going to be a hook to the body. You don't know if it's going to be a low kick or a hook to the head or a yeah. high kick or a body, whatever. He is just, you know, yeah. he has a real Carlos Condit brain. Yes, uh, and you, you will get a bead on his timing and his entries to the point where you don't have to play the whole guessing game. But yeah. to, do the, to do that, you got to play the guessing game for a bit. And yep. Yeah, my feeling is I don't like this move at all for Buckley, but I don't think Fialio is going to sustain the confidence needed to to win in any way other than a quick knockout. Yeah, that's my feeling, too. He also, I mean, he uh, in addition to the confidence issues, and maybe this is connected, maybe one begets the other. It's a bit like the 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 gassing slash discomfort paradigm. Mm-hmm. There, there's a discomfort chin paradigm as well. Like we've yeah. talked about this with Phil Halls recently. Mm-hmm. How much of it is him just being incapable of uh, seeing the shots coming, and how much of it is it just him not having a great chin? But one way or the other, Fialio does not have a great chin. Yeah. So uh, he, even in a lot of these fights where he's gotten like surprising KOs that has started with him getting staggered with relatively innocuous looking clean shots. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm Lena Buckley. I'm Lena Buckley too. Um, but it'll be a hell of a fun fight. Sure. I, I wish Buckley would go back to 185 and maybe like go to a different camp and try to get better. Yeah. Like really 185 <laughs> is so, it's such a good fit for somebody who fights the way he does where like, you're just going to be facing a bunch of one-dimensional guys that you can take you you can take with your game entirely most yeah. of the time. Drop Sometimes. the Chicago meme man and go train with Chris Curtis who defeated you. You yeah. could learn Buckley could learn some very valuable lessons from a fighter like Chris Curtis. Yeah. Uh Fialho opened at plus 138 is currently at plus 192. Buckley opened at minus 155. It's currently minus 218. That's a little wide. Buckley, 
he is always going to get hurt. And Fialho does punch really hard. So it seems a little, it seems like getting really wide and like really banking on Buckley is a bit of a mistake, but you know, whatever. Yeah. All right. That takes us to our final fight of the main card. Michael Johnson, Diego Ferreira. And, um, well, it's one of those. Yeah. Mike, Michael Johnson, he looked he looked better against Mark Diakese. Michael Johnson, in the last several years of his career, his whole post-prime has been nothing but him becoming a more disciplined and sharper technician. Yeah. Honestly, even in it, fights that he's lost, you go in there and you're like, Michael Johnson just keeps actually getting better. He's lost some of his speed. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's lost the ability to just go in there and fight like a moron and still win. But because of he's getting better. Yeah. I mean, because of that, he has essentially been forced to get better and he's a good enough athlete and an experienced enough fighter and innately good enough counterpuncher that uh, he has a lot to build on to be making some like late career technical strides. Mm -hmm. Uh, Relatively small adjustments have gone a long way for him. Um, But he is still Michael Johnson. Yeah. And this is exactly the kind of fight that (laughs) has caused him to melt down. So so many times before yeah and cdf hasn't exactly had a great run of it lately uh but he is still an insane grappler yeah um both in that he's very good at it and it might be easy to forget because he's lost to even better grapplers in, in in the recent past but also that he will just create scramble 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 threat 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 on the ground yeah and that is not the kind of grappling michael johnson likes to do yeah, I mean, you do have to realize that the, that Carlos Diego Fajera's last few opponents are Mateusz Gamrot, Gregor Gillespie, and yeah. Benil Darius. Yeah. And in the case of Gillespie, Fajera was actually winning that fight for yeah. a large portion of the first round. He the pace just got to him over you know afterward, and that is you know that is a caution here for Fajera. He is thirty eight. Certainly. Um, but Johnson's 36 and yeah, and Johnson's can sustain his pace, but it is not a torrid pace. Yeah, it is. He has become a very measured, uh, fighter who picks his spots and the um, biggest worry here, both Gillespie and Gamrod are fighters who, no matter how well you do against them early, they will break you with their pace. The biggest concern for Johnson here is really or for Ferreira here, really, is that in his last bout against Gamrot, he looked cautious. Yeah. He looked like he was trying to figure out how to make sure he didn't gas the way that he did against Gillespie. Uh Uh-huh. And if he's going to fight cautious, then there's a chance that he can't, get in and set up his scrambling as well as he used to. And Johnson showed against, uh, you know, uh, Mark Diakese that his first layer of takedown defense, which has always been, he's a bit like Edson Barboza in this way, Mm -hmm. where we, we remember Michael Johnson as being really easy to take down because he's had it be the death of him so often. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But the reality is that it's usually people have to work really hard to take Michael Johnson down. And once he does get taken down, he totally detonates. Yeah. All the Michael Johnson has basically forever. The guy was a wrestler. Yeah. The first layer and a half of his takedown defense is very strong. It is. And so if Barrera is feeling more cautious, yeah, he could just put himself into the same territory where DKSA did, where DKSA was like, oh, I'll just take him down and he'll he'll destroy himself and it'll be fine. Yeah. And he just got shut out all the time. Yeah. Every time he tried to, to go for a takedown from range, he got sprawled on. Yeah. And he didn't have the drive to put uh, Johnson through the kind of scrambles he had to mm -hmm. to make Johnson lose. But Fajera is a type of grappler who will just make those even a defeated take an attempt into a complicated exchange. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is that he could take a back. Is, he could take your back in an awkward yeah. scramble. Like he doesn't necessarily need a clean takedown. Yeah. That's why I'm worried about the caution is if that part of his yeah. game yeah. goes, then he's, he might easily just be screwed here. Yep. That could be, that seems uh, likely enough. I'm still going to pick him. Yeah. I'm just going to pick him too. Uh, it, it is a it is the classic bad matchup for Michael Johnson, and I'm not yet willing to believe that he's just entirely erased that problem. Yep. Guy who guy who goes for the finish on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's who beats Michael Johnson. Even Mark Jacasey did not actually match up with that exact style matchup the yeah. way Carlos it's Diego Fajeda does. Johnson opened at about plus 116 and is currently up at minus, or plus 140 with Ferreira opening at minus 128 and currently down at minus 156. So that is the line that that is the the uh, path that bet, the gamblers are also betting on it, it appears. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, on that note. We're going to wrap up for all of you non-Substack viewers. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast Network production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Music B, RSS Radio, IMDB, and now also found in your app store on apps such as Downcast, the podcast app, iCatcher, Podcruncher, Podbean, and more. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including the Care Don't Care Podcast, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, Crooklyn's Corner, The 6th Round Retro, The Show Money Podcast, The MMA Depressed Us, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, and The Return of the MMA 
Bunker.